0: Hello there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 743 that is 743 of the Agostino Zynga show coming live and direct from me from an undisclosed location somewhere in the depths of London it is I your friend your guy or the friend you wish you'd never had or the guy you wish you never knew Agostino Zinger and I hope you're doing well wherever you are on this lovely lovely Friday Friday morning I hope you're doing splendid I hope you're doing fine how am I all good all things considered I cannot complain I honestly cannot complain but I will because guess what? It's a podcast and that's what you're meant to do on a podcast. Complain and get agitated about the most minor inconveniences for the pleasure of your listening fans or viewers or streamers or participants or family or friends or ex-compadres, exes, whatever it may be. And whoever you are, wherever you be, thank you for joining me. I do really appreciate it. I really, really do. Okay. Okay cool bless so big news to talk about as most of you know regarding the Joe Rogan um, deal that he's re-signed with Spotify massive news but before we speak about that I want to quickly highlight this because I think it's going to be an interesting thing to sort of observe from the outside going in or from now on going on I'm not sure how long we're going to be able to see this but I just want you guys to quickly get an idea of what I just saw on the timeline today I thought it was kind of interesting. So I'm sure most of you guys know who Ice Spice is, right? I'm sure most of you guys know who Ice Spice is. So Ice Spice has been having a bit of a, I guess it happens to all new artists. You know, first they love you, then they start to hate you. And she recently had a performance as a Spotify stage where basically people were questioning her stage presence, questioning her artistry and basically asking, is her five minutes of fame up? But I get the feeling a lot of people, when they look at Ice Spice, they kind of want her to be more than what she is. You know, that's the issue, I think. I think they don't really accept that she's just exactly what you see in a tin. The kind of music she puts out, she's going to continue putting it out. The way she acts on stage, how she's going to continue acting on stage. And if you want something else from her, you probably have to find another artist, probably. But I'm curious to see what you guys think. So, on the timeline, this video went viral as you can see here, right? This video on the timeline went kind of viral on my side. She's performing on some sort of Spotify performance stage thing, um, performing a new track called Think You The Shit, Fart. And somebody quote tweeted it and said, either let her work with somebody who can help with her performing and stage presence or send her back to the Bronx, please. So obviously the end bit is a bit cunty, a little bit mean, unnecessary. But the general premise of the tweet is that ice spice maybe isn't the greatest performer she maybe doesn't um you know do much on stage except for turn around and shake her ass as you can see here um, via the um screenshot that i'm showing you here on the screen if you're watching it she's actually wearing a really nice laquan smith jumpsuit sm- jumpsuit though So big up laquan smith one of the best new designers to come out from america really i think in recent times um always debuting stuff during new york fashion week an incredible fashion designer so she's wearing that good laquan smith but unfortunately it is just a standard you know ice spice performance cool no worries right um, so this lady obviously isn't too happy with Ice Spice's performance and thinks she needs to go back to you know performance school and whatnot. I personally don't think that's the case. I think, like I said before, I think people want Ice Spice to be something else than what she is um and unfortunately this is just the or fortunately or unfortunately this is the artist you're gonna get personally i like her music personally i like what she has to offer and um, i'm not really looking at i spice to be like an incredibly expansive artist she's not going to be doja cat i think people need to like wake up and figure she's not that talented and maybe doesn't have that much of a range but what she does she does very very well cool no problem but this lady obviously didn't like it but the good thing about i spice i feel like is she really does mind her business I've personally always thought that she might be a bit on a spectrum. That's my that's my um analysis. I've always thought she had a sprinkling of the tism about her. A little sprinkling of tism. But or maybe she's just very business savvy and just unproblematic. But she definitely keeps herself outside of the drama. She's not involved in the beef apart from the little jab she throws at Lato and stuff, but she kinda keeps her head, you know, underwater and shit. So she's kind of safe in that regard. Even though she's a because I think most girls I don't know if, it, if this is a thing in America but I think most girls generally most women hate women right they're, they're kind of jealous of, especially if they're hot so it's kind of interesting to see that she she gets love from most women especially black women who sometimes you know there's a bit of hate between like the different shades of black women if you're dark-skinned if you're light-skinned whatever it may be mixed race blah 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 so the fact that she gets love across the board is quite rare I think so personally but she does get it cool but she might be in trouble now going forward because she saw this tweet from this young lady and she didn't take too kindly to it. So she decided to reply back. And the clapback I thought was pretty <laughs> funny, right? Spice claps back on her, twi- on her Twitter account and says, while we're being constructive, and she does a dash and she posts a, pr- a picture of the lady that t- told her about stage presence, right? And she's very big, aka fat. <laughs> right, so obviously, you kind of get where Ice Spice is coming, right? Like, you want to be constructive to me, let's be constructive to you, right? Like, you might need to get on a treadmill, whatever, get on Ozempic, put down the Popeyes, you know, um, stop eating big back food, whatever she wants to say. Maybe she wants to question something about the hair, maybe something about the blurred hand, the angle, whatever, the phone whatever there's something in there that she wants to kind of really get at maybe the, the the yellow door is a sign that she lives in section eight housing i don't know what it is but i'm wondering i'm really i'm wondering i'm really 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 i'm wondering right what happens now like will she now get this the, the the flaming from the black women because this is a fat black woman but she's also a very pretty black woman and if you know anything about social media and how people act, you'll know that social media, especially on black Twitter, is basically run by really fat, pretty black women. So if you go after fat, pretty black women, you're going to get absolutely destroyed. They're, they're kind of the protected class. They're up there with the gays, right? The gays and the fat black women, especially the pretty ones, are the are very much protected for, you know, for a good reason. Because some of the people think they're like, you know, the easy targets. So I wonder if Spice is going to get some clapbacks now from all of gay twitter from all of fat black twitter or just fat people in general because she decided to poke some fun at this girl who decided to kind of give her a pretty nasty critique now to be fair the first bit what she said here either let her work with someone who can help her perform uh, and help her performing sorry and stage presence or send her back to the bronx no the first part is okay right the bit about send her back to the bronx that's a little bit snarky and unnecessary but to be honest to her too this is twitter twitter is basically built for this snarky type of interactions and replies let's the views look at the look at the views 3.5 million so clearly being snarky and being a bit of a bitch right it does pay it does actually work on twitter so maybe i Spice shouldn't have taken this too personally this is just the nature of the game on 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 twitter but i think if you say what people like that say right you should also be able to take this sort of like clapbacks you shouldn't cry like if you're like if you can say if you, t- if you can tell her she needs to work on a stage presence and she needs to or she go back to the Bronx you can't now cry when she says yo you're a fatty put down the fucking popeyes you can't complain. Right, you cannot complain. It's not that deep, really. And if it is that deep, close your laptop, turn off your phone, and go outside and don't have a burger, but go outside and you know breathe some fresh air and touch some grass. It's not that deep. But I'm curious to see what happens going forward because I think Ice Spice has done very well at being very unproblematic. So I'm curious to see. What does happen with her now going forward? Um, she'll probably end up deleting this tweet anyway, so you'll probably see it. But I'm curious to see what will happen going forward. I am really, really curious to see what will happen going forward. I really, really am. Um big up Austin Casey, big up everybody in the chat here. See, yeah, brother, we do have a we do have a Popeyes, yeah, of course. We have a Popeyes, here. It actually just launched. I think a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, um, it's really popular. To be honest, every time when it first opened, there was queues. Obviously, because we've never really had that kind of um, greasy, um, super crunchy chicken available. Most of our chicken shops, I don't know what it is about the f- way we fry, but most of our frying in our like hood chicken shops, it's usually really wet. It's not, ch- it's not crunchy. Popeyes is really kind of dry. It kind of reminds me of like how it would be if you cook like a chicken wing in an air fryer. So that kind of style of wings is not really popular here or it's not really the thing. So when it launched, everyone was going crazy for it. To be fair, English people don't really like Popeye's chicken burgers. I got to be honest. I know a lot of boys, especially guys from ENDS who I still speak to and shit when I watch some videos, a lot of people from the UK don't really rate the Popeye's chicken burger. They think it's overrated. And I have to be honest, I, th- I think I agree. I think it's very difficult. I don't know, maybe because I'm not as fat as I used to be, but I find it very difficult to finish um, a meal that includes chicken, a chicken burger, wings and some chips. That's like a standard for us in the UK. Maybe it's different in the US, but in the UK, when whenever you go to a chicken shop, the standard order is always to order a chicken burger, um, a portion of wings, whether it's two or three or four, and some fries. But because the chicken burger in Popeyes is so thick and dense, it's really difficult to fucking eat all of that. It's super difficult. So, and also I feel like the the Popeyes chicken burger, like, it's just a bit. It's just too much to fucking finish. It's just, you got the bread, then you get, it's just a lot. It's just a lot of stuff to put in your mouth. Whereas the UK chicken burgers are like, you know, it's basically, um, some chicken fillet that's been smashed, right? And just processed, processed chicken. It's not that deep, but it's really thin to be honest. And obviously it's covered in, in batter and then you fry it. So it's not that deep to eat, but the Popeye chicken thing is like an actual piece of chicken. Obviously it's steroids and shit, but you know. It's a bit weird. It's a bit different, but what can you do? Um, big up Dusky the Flow. What's good, dusky the Flow? Um, who makes the best best chicken burger here? I don't really know. I got to be honest, I don't really know because that's the thing. I don't really order chicken burgers when I go. I don't know about you guys. If you're whenever I go to a burger joint, I much prefer to get like a cheeseburger and try what their their burgers like. I don't really get a chicken burger. I've never, I've never done that. I'm not, I'm not really, I always feel like chicken burgers are like the least good option on the burger menu. You know what I mean? Like if anything, there's, um, what's that thing called? I think there's a place called mother cluckers actually in the UK, in London. I went there once and a chicken burger was really good. Mother cluckers was really good outside of the mother, is it mother cluckers. Yeah. Mother clucker. Yeah. Actually, um, game breed footballer said, no, to be fair, game breed, you laugh, right? But the KFC mayo is really nice. I don't know what they put in their mayo, but their mayo is really good. If I have to pick the best mayo from all chicken shops, I think KFC has the best mayo. I don't know what they put in their chicken, but to be fair, I prefer the, the Millie Phillip burger. I don't really like the big one. I think the Millie Philip burger is like the perfect amount, personally for me, because again, I like to have a, with a bit of wings and some fries. I'm on my big back shit. But I feel like the mini Phillip burger is fucking perfect. So there's this place. Um, there's this place called Mother Cluckers in the UK that does a really good chicken burger. Obviously, Mother Cluckers, it's in a name, right? Um, <laughs> lows the owner's white, but then he's got his like, black friend there to cook with him, right? Of course, for some authenticity, right? <laughs> for some authenticity, he's got a black guy to taste it. <laughs> or for the seasoning, right? The, the, the white guy's got the money, he's on the imports all the chicken, and then the black guy has to add the seasoning. <laughs> Oh, I fucking love it. Anyway, um, so yeah, Mother Cluckers in the UK is really good. Mother Cluckers is a good chicken burger. But that's the only place that I would probably recommend as a place to go. Um, um, it's They've got a couple in like trendy bits of East London, um, like Shoreditch and shit. So if you're ever in the UK, I recommend you check those out. Mother Cluckers is really good. Um, I'd, re- I'd definitely recommend a Mother Clucker. But again, because see, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I prefer, you see what I mean about the, the, the fillet? I prefer my chicken fillets like this. But the Popeye's ones are like, they're like, it's like an actual piece of fucking chicken thigh. I actually prefer it a little bit thinner, you know? Like I prefer my chicken fillets kind of like a schnitzel, if that makes any sense. I know that doesn't make any sense really, but I kind of want it flat, you know? I kind of want it as thin as possible, but then obviously still with chicken flavor with obviously the battering. I don't want it to be like an actual bit of chicken, you know what I mean? And then it's just too much to eat. It's just, you know maybe maybe i'm different and i'm weird in that regard but yeah Mothercluckers is really good check out fucking Mothercluckers. moving on moving on so most of you will know um courtesy of my you know my flipping title of the podcast and obviously the news across social media joe rogan has ended up re-signing with spotify um it's really interesting because A few people, myself included, were wondering what he was going to do because his deal was coming up. The original deal that he signed with Spotify, if I'm not mistaken, was like 200 million, um, you know, just before the pandemic or just in the pandemic times. It was an exclusivity deal, but he also got to basically keep his IP intellectual property which meant after the term was over he could essentially go and shop his podcast around the original deal was a podcast podcast exclusive deal um, when they signed rogan i'm pretty sure they also launched um spotify video um with the podcast so you can obviously watch it that way and if you pay if you had a paid for subscription you could watch it in the background which is pretty cool um but it was obviously only exclusive to spotify only so there was no more youtube live streaming there was no more full shows on the youtube only clips Um, there was, who else? There was no more Apple Podcasts um, syncing and stuff. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, even though I'm a big Rogan fan, and Rogan was one of the main reasons why I started podcasting myself. um, Rogan, definitely why I started podcasting. I'd say Bill Burr is probably why I started doing it on my own, solo, because I love Bill Burr's solo podcast, right? The Monday morning after Tuesday flipping podcast is flipping amazing. Um, So big up Bill Burr. And... Even though I love Rogan, even I have to admit being a serial Rogan listener, ever since he's sent to Spotify, I don't listen to the show as much because I don't open my spot. Even though, again, I pay for a Spotify. I got like a monthly subscription. I pay for a premium account. Um, but I never open it. I'm always using Apple Music. I always use Overcast as my main podcast player or, app, or the Apple podcast app on my iPhone, but I very rarely open Spotify. Sometimes if I want to watch a, you know, a particular episode, I watch it, but it's not like at the front of mind anymore. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So this is a great deal. This new deal was a great flipping deal because from what I'm reading correctly, it allows him to put the shows up on YouTube. Now, I Don't know if that means it's going to be on his own YouTube account under his or if Spotify are going to create a separate Joe Rogan Spotify YouTube channel and then have all the live shows, so I didn't have all the podcast episodes on there because that'd probably make more, more sense. it. if you're going to give him loads of money, you might as well, you know, keep some of that ad revenue from AdSense on that side of things because the views on flipping youtube even before he signed were crazy right he was getting high millions of views and you imagine even now it'll probably get more um this is amazing news because it also proves that rogan is definitely a big deal i think a lot of people were kind of speculating myself included um do the numbers really make sense but considering that spotify has let go a bunch of people considering spotify has not re-signed a bunch of podcasts but they're looking like they're honing in on the ones that are actually you know bringing the most roi return on investment it seems like From my understanding, Rogan's numbers behind the scenes must be really good. Rogan's numbers behind that cloak, right? Because Spotify don't like to reveal the analytics. It's basically their one bargaining chip and, you know, negotiation tactic they have. Um, Same with Netflix and whatever. But I'm pretty sure that if Spotify are willing to offer Joe Rogan or willing to give him $250 most likely the numbers are really good especially when they think when they're kind of prospecting out the ads they're going to get off the back of it and shit so clearly rogan is doing something good there but always do do something well there because you don't really get these kind of deals if the numbers don't make sense on there and so congrats to rogan on that regardless read the article courtesy of wall street journal who broke the story exclusively Joe Rogan gets a new Spotify deal worth up to $250 million. Hit show to be distributed broadly, including on YouTube, rather than exclusively on audio streaming services. So let's really the entire article here. Um, Spotify has reached a new deal with star podcaster Joe Rogan that will allow his hit show to be distributed broadly. Rogan's fresh deal, estimated to be worth as $250 million over the multi-year term, according to people familiar with the matter, involves an upfront minimum guarantee i wonder what that guarantee is i wonder what that minimum guarantee is 250 ms what do you think his minimum guarantee is i'm gonna say like 100 mil i'm gonna say the minimum guarantee is like 100 mil (laughs) just straight up as a guarantee just to hold you down fucking hell plus a revenue sharing agreement based on ad sales so Great, so there, under the new licensing agreement, Spotify will sell ads for and distribute the Joe Rogan experience across several podcast platforms, including a new video format on, again, a video format on YouTube, the company said on Friday, under his previous deal, the show was exclusive to Spotify, so yeah, this sounds like they're probably going to have a, a, a separate, a separate, You know, I think they're going to have a separate kind of Spotify, Joe Rogan Spotify kind of channel. Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe they'll just put the AdSense under Spotify. I don't really know. But let's see what happens. Under the new AdSense agreement, um, sorry, Joe Rogan Experience has released more than 2,200 episodes. Cool conversations are kind of mental nourishment, Rogan said in a Spotify blog post, um, encourages people to have smaller conversations with their friends, and it just generally makes more life more interesting. Spotify shares raised 2% on Friday. The New Deal is, the, is emblematic of the shifting economics in podcasting, which has matured in both audiences and reach and advertising spend since Rogan's first deal. Spotify is working to revise the terms of its deals with top talent so that the shows are distributed on several platforms to maximize their audience and add sales rather than requiring exclusivity. That's a very interesting um, approach, isn't it? The whole reason why Spotify were doing the exclusive deals was for user acquisition. So I'm assuming now Spotify have realized that they've kind of topped, they've kind of um topped, you know, they've topped out, right? They, they t- there's only so many new people that are going to sign up to Spotify exclusively to sign to listen to a podcast. So you're better off just signing talent on your platform or signing talent under your flipping umbrella and then allowing them to be distributed across all the major networks or platforms or whatever, so that you can bring eyes back onto you or just make money on the ads basically. So, you know, So, essentially, Spotify are turning into a distributor themselves, really, if you think about it, right? Um, It continues. It's also aiming to pay smaller minimum guarantees and emphasize revenue sharing, a model that helps share risk with talent. Huh. So, maybe he does get a minimum. Again, minimum could be like 10 mil to 100 mil. But still, the rest of it will probably be tied up in ad sales. But considering how much money Rogan makes on ads and considering the, the blockbuster ads he gets, he probably will get that full 250 mil, 50 mil anyway, and maybe more. If anything, it incentivizes him to actually do a better job. Maybe there is no cap. That's a crazy thing. <laughs> maybe there's no cap. Maybe it's 250 million, like, you know, as a minimum. But there's actually no cap. As to what you can make, <laughs> fucking hell! Spotify struck the first deal with Rogan in 2020 during its initial blitz in the medium. It agreed to pay more than 100 million to bring um, Rogan experience on Spotify exclusively in a bit to jumpstart the podcast listening platform. The show has remained far and away the most popular podcast on Spotify. The show has remained far and away the most popular show on Spotify. Again, proof that. You know, when you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing. Rogan's previous deal with Spotify ties his payout and estimated um, to land around 180 to 200 million by the end of the year, this term to audience number targets. God damn. Rogan's going to be worth half a billion just from fucking podcasting. Forget all these other business ventures on it and anything else he's probably involved with in the shadows. He's going to be worth half a billion just from sitting in front of a Sennheiser microphone. Incredible. Spotify spent um, heavily on podcasting in the format's early days to build a large audiences. While that early foray in the podcast improved costly, Spotify surpassed Apple to become the most popular podcast and listening platform. Really? I did not know that. To be fair, I've always wondered why Apple have never really invested into the podcasting field or genre in general. I wonder why they've never done it. Maybe there's just not enough money in it. Or maybe it just requires too much effort. They have their app, obviously. They have their, obviously, platform, whatever. Um, you obviously distribute your stuff on, on Apple Podcasts, but they've never really invested any big money in signing anybody exclusively. They've kind of left that to everybody else. Huh. Now the company is working to become more disciplined in its podcast spending, by distributing Rogan Show broadly, Spotify stands to make more money from ads it sells on podcasts reaches larger audiences because they realise they can't make any more money on fucking people signing up. There's only, there's not going to get, they're not going to get a, they're not going to f- suddenly find 200 plus million people to sign up to Spotify. It's not going to happen. Um, they can only raise prices to a certain amount. So they have to make money other ways. Another way to make money is obviously ads. Um, Spotify's deal with Rogan. Um, landed in hot water in 2022 when rocker Neil Neil young poised music due to what he said of vaccine misinformation the company stood by rogan with chief executive daniel x saying largest audio platform in the world involves embracing diverse voices and offering opinions the company chased scale in podcasting now my initial thoughts my initial thoughts is that i feel like rogan is worth every single penny of that 250 million if not more I think it 's a nice thing to see somebody who 's like the leader, the kind of you know the number one person getting the big deals it doesn 't always happen especially like when you 're an originator quote unquote type person in that kind of long form podcast format that he 's always done um, it 's nice to see somebody that 's been doing it for so long actually get their just rewards and actually get a deal that is reflective of the impact and the and the scale of which people listen to his podcast. I was listening to how long gone the other day and um one of the hosts i think it was jason said something about um because i think some one of the guests on how long gone podcast which i love to listen to the the guest basically said something along the lines of oh you guys get a lot of press um about how you're so popular and stuff but not but no one can understand why and i've always understood this and i've always thought the same thing and a lot of people know how long Gone reddit think the same thing too right a lot of the press they get is a little bit weird right it's just it feels like it's kind of like payola But Jason made a really good point in that he said that he thinks when people listen to podcasts, they want to be, they want to feel like they're being, they want to feel like they are being somewhat intellect, intelligent. They want to feel like, yeah, they want to feel like they're smart, but they also don't want to let people know that listen to podcasts. So it's also kind of a little bit like you kind of, you know, you're kind of a bit of ashamed about listening to shows. So no one really is upfront or is honest about what they listen to. So I think the same thing applies to Rogan. I think, there are people out there like myself who are unabashed, unashamed Rogan fans, but I think there's a broad set of people out there that don't, you know, talk about how much they listen to Rogan, but they clearly do because the numbers speak for themselves. And it's good to see that sort of stuff get rewarded. Um, I also think, especially in light of all of these comedians. Who are like investing in crazy amounts in like ridiculous studios, trying to fucking, you know, build out all these different shows and shit and do networks. I think it's a really sobering reminder that at the end of the day, if your shows are good and you're somewhat interesting and you have good guests, you have good conversations, you will get rewarded. All of those bells and whistles, all of those crazy shows, sketch comedy things you're doing behind a paywall, um, all these nonsense and having a million people work behind you as staff is a waste of money. Rogan does the Joe Rogan experience essentially with Jamie. Um, I think there's, you know, a couple flipping killer Navy SEALs guys around the fucking complex that he records his shows. And I've heard there's some booker dude involved, right? Basically five people in that facility that are basically working with the podcast but in the actual room itself there's only two people that work on that show um minus the guest two people two people rogan the host and young jamie behind the boards and he controls all the mic levels and the camera switching it's not even like on t5k where they have a separate person doing the fucking mic switches or something watching the levels he does everything right so i think this is a good reminder for a lot of those flipping guys out there um, especially in the comedy world who are just doing way too much with their podcast that at the end of the day if your show is good people are gonna you know respond to it well and you'll get rewarded but it is about putting on a good show and i think despite rogan changing over the years i think it's you have to be honest even the guys that don't like him the show's been entirely success. it has been insanely consistent let's be honest it's been so consistent over the years so steady so steady it's falling off a little bit sometimes but not falling off to the point where you're flipping deleting it or you're unsubscribing it whatever it's just remained steady and now that it's coming back onto youtube i feel like it's going to be a game changer especially the comments people really underestimate how much of a great community there was around the joe rogan experience comments I feel like the comments on the episodes were sometimes even better than the shows. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but you sometimes learn quite a bit from the comments, people kind of going back and forth and shit, recommending other videos for watch watching shit. The comment section on Rogan's flipping YouTube was banging. So I'm hoping even if they don't have the live chat enabled during the live stream, because that could be a bit dicey, um, especially with all the different political opinions and politically United States being where it is at the moment, I think it's important that they leave the comments open and leave them like a free-for-all like the Rogan experience was. I really, really, really do hope that's the case. Because if that's the case, I think it's going to be great to see that going forward. Um, And obviously, I really do like this idea that Spotify are doing where they're signing... Podcast and they're saying, "Hey, we're going to sign you, but then we're going to have you distributed on all platforms so that we can get the maximum amount of listeners. But then also we can maximize our ads, um, which is pretty cool to see going forward." Now, I'm wondering, what's this 250 million going to do to Rogan? Some people said that 200 million he initially got from Rogan. I think some people hypothesized it was nearly 300. Some people were saying that that 300 million changed Rogan. I don't think it did personally. I think COVID broke Rogan's brain, which is understandable. I think COVID broke a lot of our brains. I think it might have broke my brain temporarily, being locked in at indoors and shit was horrible. But I think if you're somebody like Rogan and you had had money and you have wealth and you have means and you're still not able to do what you want, like the thing that you love and enjoy, like recording shows and doing stand-up, it can really break your brain, especially when you're getting all this misinformation from mainstream media, blah, blah, blah. So I think COVID really did break Rogan's brain more so than the 200 million. But I also think people miss this, part of it i think also moving to austin i think moving to austin definitely changed rogan um especially at the stage of his life he's at right in terms of you know he's what um early 50s um he's making loads of money he you know they always say whenever you start to make loads more money you end up kind of leaning more to the conservative side because you want to quote unquote, conserve your money um Whatever it may be And obviously those type of things Are mostly going to be lent To the right side of politics So I think those things Change Rogan more than the money I think one thing You have to give the guy credit He's not For somebody who has a lot of money He doesn't speak about money You know for so somebody who has a lot of cash, he doesn't really speak about it. If anything, he does loads of fun things. You know, he kind of does what he wants, essentially. Um, he opens a fucking comedy club and it, by all accounts, um, the comedy mothership people have said um, on podcasts and stuff, he pays crazily well, probably too well but he can afford to because he's got so much money to burn literally he's not going to be able to spend all the money he's making so he's kind of like giving back to comedy in a way with opening up this club it's basically like a charity but he also gets to kind of put on these fun shows so um if anything i don't think money really changes him that much really if anything um I think it's just him getting older, um, him moving to another state where, you know, people's political opinions are a bit different than what he was kind of used to listening to in LA. Um, and his perspective on the world changing after COVID. So I think people that are scared about him changing with the money, it's not going to be that. If anything, the longer he lives in Austin, <laughs> the more he's going to probably change maybe for the worse. But I still think going forward, I think the best is yet to come. I think things are going to keep evolving and changing, whatever, maybe, with Jorgen. And I think the best is yet to come. And I think, again, um, considering all the shit shows around there at the moment, all the shit bits of entertainment, I still enjoy listening to Rogan. And I think now it's back on YouTube, let's be honest, guys, loads of you watch me on YouTube. I'm sure most of you don't even check out my fucking podcast on fucking apple and all the audio platforms audio is definitely not king i get most of my views and listens definitely from youtube so i'm sure a lot of you guys will probably end up listening or checking out the odd clip and that of rogan because it's available on youtube one of the biggest platforms to check out some of that content so i'm sure it's definitely going to do good things for him going forward but let's actually check the article courtesy of spotify where they kind of dig a bit deeper into it, they do a little bit of a interview with rogan himself that's a smile of somebody that just that just got the wire <laughs> right? that's the smile of somebody that just got confirmation that the wire hit right that minimum guarantee wire just hit that's a smile of somebody <laughs> who knows he's going to have as much buffalo trace as he wants he's going to have as much buffalo trace as he wants now. <laughs> that money just hit anyway it's coming to your spotify it says the art of podcasting with rogan and his new multi-year spotify partnership um they basically go over the same deals and they kind of give a bit of an interview right so let's see um you've released more than 200 2,200 episodes of jre and have a signature interview style especially a length of the conversations talk a bit about how your style has evolved (laughs) you know it's really funny that people are so hot are so like Myth about this idea of like the length of the conversation there's still there's still fucking podcasts out there that exist where people like try not to go over an hour i've never understood this i don't know about you guys but if there's a streamer or there's a person that i like I could listen to you the whole entire day if you're streaming for twenty four hours, oh, I, I will tune in for six hours, then I'll pop out, then I'll keep tuning in later. It doesn't really matter really, like how long your show is. If I like the person I like what they're speaking about, I'm gonna listen to it, but still the mainstream media have this weird, broken idea about like you know like they have a strange brain when it comes to when it comes to flipping. when it comes to the media like oh the limp of the conversations is so locked Uh, come on man come on anyway um he says here I think podcasting is an form, and it definitely what he says here it definitely sucked at when I first started it I was curious oh yeah big up Keith Thompson Joe has eight different
2: revenue streams and all he does is hang out with his friends and go hunting
0: yeah exactly 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 (laughs) exactly Yo, big up MM, big up my girl MM.
2: Why couldn't I have had twins with a successful comic like this? Damn, I'm a moron.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have to do a no comment on that one, isn't it for now to keep it peace. <laughs> but that's so true, <laughs> <Hey>, MM. <man. laughs> Yo, Rogan's wife definitely lucked out, in it. Like, no wonder she doesn't talk. If I was Rogan's wife, I also wouldn't talk. You know that. If I was Rogan's wife, I also wouldn't say a fucking word. Like, what's the point? Don't you find it interesting though, right? Rogan's wife is actually filthy rich, right? Filthy rich. Doesn't say a word. Doesn't even have a public Instagram. Brendan's missus, you know, they kind of pretend like they're rich. And she's all up in the fucking, you know. Don't you, (laughs) like... that's how it always is isn't it right the the ones that actually do have it just kind of you know do their thing the ones that don't are all out here fucking you know sitting in the fucking lambo truck and tilting their head to the side so you can see the badge and shit it's like come on bro come on anyway anyway big up big up big up big up um let's um quickly go over this question so Let me start again. Um, You've released more than 2,200 episodes of JRE in a signature interview style, especially the length of the conversations. Talk a little bit about how your style has evolved over the years. I think podcasting is an art form and I definitely sucked at it when I first started. I was curious, but I didn't understand how to make conversations flow. I did not know when to shut up and listen and I didn't know how to make someone comfortable so that you can get the most out of their perspective. I learned how to assist with conversations flow instead of waiting for my turn to talk. I learned how to be fully locked in with the other person's saying i've always wondered i've always wondered why this isn't something most of his friends follow most of rogan's friends within that GRe verse who've got their own pods i think of burr i think of brendan being big ones that kind of jump out to me i think of andrew schultz they never let their, their guest they never shut the fuck up that's the thing rogan's one of the things he was kind of known for when he first started was being an excellent interviewer an excellent conversation especially long form he he'd let people he'd let he'd let he'd let he let there be space for silence he'd allow people to talk he'd he let people to kind of you know um you know think mull over questions maybe go down meander a little bit and then come back to the main point now obviously he's kind of changed he's kind of gotten a bit you know in his old age he kind of does seem to um he does seem to kind of dictate where the conversations goes. I think a good example is Bobby Lee episode. Bobby Lee was trying to be silly and Rogan just wasn't having it. He was always trying to like throw at him fucking COVID talking all this sort of nonsense. But one thing Rogan did do really well in the beginning was he was really good at just being quiet. Allowing people to actually have a speak. Having, having had their say. And I wonder why a lot of his friends didn't copy that. They just kind of copied obviously the pod. But they do this thing where they just wait for their turn to speak. They're not actually listening and i think rogan does really a good job of listening to the person even though he does again cannibalize um conversations nowadays um maybe because he just feels like maybe because nowadays it's less about him being old and more so about him stage his stature no he's bigger in stature if that makes sense so maybe nowadays he doesn't need to listen to you because he's fucking joe rogan so maybe people are coming to listen to rogan not because of the guest but because of him now so maybe he doesn't feel like you know he's you know he's i don't know you know what i mean um a lot of help a lot of what a lot of um sorry a lot of what helps is I don't do it for many hours and learned no a lot of sorry let me go again, Jesus Christ a lot of what helps is that I've done it for so many hours I learned how to do it better over, over trial and error but also that I only have people on the show that I'm generally interested in talking to I never do a podcast just because of a person is popular I'm always from a place of I think I would be cool if I spoke to this person I've also learned so much not just from all the episodes themselves but also from the audio books I've listened to the articles the books I've learned I've read sorry the documentaries I've watched and for, for the of the show I've always felt like inserting starting a podcast i stumbled into fantastic accidental education just by being interested in talking to people and being fortunate enough to want people to listen to them and that i think is at the heart of his success just being fucking curious just being curious i love it any guess that changed the way you think about life too many to name i've been blown away by countless times by the way the brilliant people interf- interf- um, interface with the world and how it shapes the way that they describe life. Cool conversations are the kind of mental nourishment. And if ever around interesting people, you don't get to have conversations with people who are exceptional. And I think it's almost a kind of a social starvation. I think why so many people like to listen to podcasts is because you can fly on the wall and experience the inner workings of a mind of somebody who may be different than anyone you would ever normally encounter in your life. I also think that from listening to these cool conversations or encourage people to have in similar conversations with their friends. And it just generally makes life more interesting. Okay, this is a bit now. He's fucking now he's talking out of his ass, right? <laughs> he's going on as if like people are like what people are gonna be inspired to talk about the comedy stuff <laughs> with their friends. Okay, you need to relax. You need to relax a little bit. It's just a podcast. <laughs> let's chill out. Okay, let's chill out. No one's fucking framing their conversations with their real friends about <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but if if I if I hear something funny in a podcast and I want to listen mention to my my friends, I am too ashamed to say I heard it in a pod. I'll just make up. and say, oh yeah, I heard. I found out. Oh, have you seen that thing? I'll never mention. Oh, I was listening to fucking Theo Von and he said this. No, I'll just say I I read somewhere. I heard somewhere. This idea that people are like you know playing a fucking Rogan podcast in the middle of the dinner table while they eat is fucking crazy, man. Um, I'm so lucky to be friends with some of the most funniest people alive and when the people who are like Brandon Shaw and when the people hear those episodes, it's hilarious to relieve for them um, for the bullshit most people are going through in life. I think that the experience is extra special because nothing is planned out there's no script of what we're going to talk about and it's all just sort of happens in real time it's an actual organic conversation with people enjoying themselves which is something we can all relate to and something we can all do these conversations have changed the way i think about life immeasurably and continue to do so i feel extremely fortunate to be able to do it and again i don't think this humility from rogan is fake that's the thing i think about rogan that's that's i think unique about him he might be a bit of a unbearable cunt because of him being an unbearable cunt but i don't think it's ever to do with his humility i think he's actually a very level-headed and grounded guy for how much money he's worth and for the level of celebrity and stature and influence he has because honestly give this kind of power give this kind of money give this kind of clout to anyone else within his vortex anyone else within that jerry universe imagine you gave schultz 250 million imagine for a minute you gave andrew schultz 250 million imagine how unbearable he would be rogan is pretty level-headed and grounded for the money he's worth and the stature he has let's be fair to the guy i know he can be annoying but imagine you gave bert kreischer 250 million (laughs) just imagine so tell us about the green room playlist oh no rogan stole brendan Shulbs idea remember brendan Shulb had that green room diaries rogan's doing green room playlist brendan's gonna be pissed when he sees this that was brendan Shulbs idea green room diaries he did this thing where every every time he was performing at clubs he'd write a little comedy set and then put it out wow rogan how could you copy brendan like that man come on rogan come on papa man free papa free papa what kind of music would you listen to before you start the green room to be fair you know what's funny about this rogan has a worse taste in music i don't know who's gonna be listening to this stuff. this is gonna be super boomer music rogan has really horrible taste in music and he can't dance anyone that can't dance you should never listen to him when it comes to music never 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 listen to any, anybody that can't even two-step or can't like bob to the beat don't listen to them when it comes to music in my personal opinion but hey, what do I know? The green room playlist is something we started when I realised it's more fun to turn the green room into a party I learned that from Dave Chappelle he would always come to the comedy store and bring a big bluetooth speaker and Dave had dope taste in music it changed the vibe of the room and it actually enhanced the conversations I copied that and started doing it everywhere I went and it made it way more fun when I set up at a comedy mothership, we installed a killer sound system in the green room. And whenever someone introduced them, me to something cool, it makes it on the list. Oh, okay. So it's not his taste. Fair play. It's everybody else adding to the playlist. No problem. I take it back. I thought it was gonna be Rogan's if it's Rogan's playlist, I don't want to hear it. Cause it's gonna be fucking it's gonna be fucking letter Kenny and shit, right? Is that what's a band? It's gonna be fucking letter Kenny. It's gonna be him still playing fucking guns and roses and shit. It's like, come on, bro. Come on come on now allow it um i usually play it randomly sometimes i'll start with the last song on this sometimes i'll just spin <laughs> look at him trying to he's describing he's describing shuffle play yo trying to fucking mansplain shuffle play is fucking crazy bro like <laughs> i love Roger. He's, he's mansplaining shuffle I usually play it randomly. Sometimes I'll start at the last song. Limit. Sometimes I'll just spin or scroll and let my finger land anywhere. Ooh. <laughs> I think the current list is over 15 hours of music. It's everything from Run The Jewels to Black Keys to Janis Joplin and Liz Fair. Yo, I'm sorry, but if I see a lineup of a festival with Liz Fair, Janis Joplin, the Black Keys and Run The Jewels, I'm running. That is the most like, get me out of here, boomer, lineup i've ever seen that lineup screams hemp you know what i mean that screams hemp that that lineup looks like seed oils i'm not i'm not involved a lot of the songs are recommended by fellow comics and there's some gems in there and i also picked some spotify suggestions <laughs> oh nice plug there um there's also kinds of music from the list from the country to hip-hop to classic rock and delta blues i've got oops, see daisy um, I've got the vibe. No, I love the vibe you get from shit hopping. Ugh. I love the vibe you get from shit hopping from Diane Wood. Who <laughs> listen to Diane Wood in twenty twenty four, fam? Nina Simone, fair play. Wu Tang Clan, fair play. Led Zeppelin, fair play. Diane Wood. You might as well put like Santi Gold on there and shit. Like, what is this? It's just fun list of cool music I love. If I had to pick one song also, no no wonder, innit? Aren't Dan on aren't would like super racist. They like using the N-word, isn't it? Rogan's used nigger a few times, this, so maybe that's why he likes them. If I had to pick one song to get party started, <laughs> it's Casey and Shun shine out your boogie man. Oh, of course, man. Fucking hell. What the fuck? The best song I ever listened to. <laughs> okay green room diaries look at look at rogan's playlist. look at rogan's playlist he, of course you got gary clark jr gary clark jr is one of rogan's favorite black people him and brian simpson Guy, rogan loves brian simpson and fucking um gary clark jr he flipping loves them in it those are his favorite blacks uh with mac the black keys and rizza or maybe rizza as well rizza brian simpson and Gary Clark Jr. are three of Rogan's favorite blacks, and of course Dave Chappelle. He's got Blitz Trapping here, Blitz Trap, Blitz and Trapper. Sorry, uh, Midland. Oh, it's a Midland track here. Okay, fair play. Um, Rolling Stones, Revivalist, Vinny Paz, Lenny Kravitz, of course. Wood Brothers, Zach Bryan. Fucking honestly, burn my ears. Uh, more Zach Bryan we got Kanye West track here. Jail. Nice to see there. Kanye. We've got uh, Kanye, Jay-Z, Frank Ocean, Not Just In The Wild, Jelly Roll, Boo. Some decent tunes in there. Decent tunes. Decent. So Doors. Okay. Fair play. There's some good stuff on there. There's some fucking good stuff on there. But yeah. Check out Green Room Diaries. Available on Spotify. If you want to check that out. Available For listening pleasure, you can shuffle, listen to them, or play from the start, as Rogan says. But yeah, man, 250 million, he's up and he deserves every flipping penny of it. If anything, again, it's another reminder that the top podcast will keep getting all the big money, and then the ones underneath will have to kind of fight for the scraps. But I do like this other approach that's what I'm doing. It's not exclusivity. We're going to sign you, of course, but then we're going to distribute it to other platforms. I love that kind of way of operating things. I think that's a far better way, especially if they're just going to like, you know, let's just focus on the ads and get money that way. It's just a shame that, you know, the way they're funding this is by firing a bunch of people. So all those hundreds and thousands of people that got fired at Spotify, (laughs) they got fired to give Rogan 250 million. (laughs) (laughs) that's the really brutal side of it so if you lost your job just know that your salary went in part to pay Joe Rogan's minimum pay (laughs) minimum payment that he got from Spotify it's fucking brutal but that's the reality of life we live in now all those flipping podcast studios that got closed um locations that are now defunct they all got scrapped because Rogan needed his minimum guarantee, you know, and Rogan definitely doesn't play with his money, Rogan looks like the kind of person that, you know, if you're not paying him, he's not, he's not there, like, he doesn't fuck around, so, when they said minimum, he went up front, and he went in cash, no delays, no flipping delays, talking about no delays, look at this, look at this, Wouldn't you have guessed this? Wouldn't you have guessed this to be the case? Look at this. Curse of the BBC. Adidas says it plans to sell remaining Yeezy sneakers. So after all of that virtue signaling, after all of that clutching of pearls, after all of that crying, after all of that complaining, you know, about Ye being an anti-Semite and going on these anti-Semite fucking world tour, after Ye saying he's in love with Adolf Hitler, about him questioning the Holocaust, all of this stuff that he said, Adidas, you know, getting their fucking knickers in a bunch and cancelling his deal, to the point where they kind of scrubbed loads of value off of fucking Adidas stock, to the point where they took Ye from being a billionaire all the way down to being only a multi-millionaire, they're now saying they actually plan to sell that stock. That stock that they said they were going to fucking burn. They said they were going to burn the stock because Ye said he loved Hitler. Because Ye said, you know... Um, jewish people are to blame for all of his financial woes right he was kind of you know out here fucking spewing um anti-semitic flipping ideas and remarks and shit and Aidas were acting as if like that stuff was horrible you can't say this we're gonna end our partnership with you and look what's happened look what's happened they've now turned around and said we plan to sell it it's too valuable to burn duh i said at the time i said at the time the best the best thing they should have done was giving the guy a timeout. I think unfortunately or fortunately, when you get in business with Ye, you have to accept the good with the bad. I don't think you're allowed to sign someone like Ye and then say, hey, you can't be Ye. You have to accept Ye, aka Kanye is always gonna be him. So you have to accept the good with the bad. You're gonna get some Wave Runners, you're gonna get some free fifties, you're gonna get some Yeezy boots, right? you're going to get some cool shows but you're also going to get him questioning you know the number of jews that died in the fucking concentration camps you're also going to get him professing his love for adolf hitler that's what you're going to get that's all you're going to get you have to accept this rough and smooth if you want to you know allow yourself to buy another holiday home in the seychelles if you want to put your kid through private school in austria if you want to, you know, support your second family in the Philippines, you have to be willing to put up with the dicey part of of Ye. And unfortunately, the dicey part of Ye is as dicey, is at the same level of diceyness, as the same level of awesomeness as his clothes are. That's the issue with Ye, I think. There's no, like, disparity. Ye creates at such a high level, but his controversy is also at such a high level. It's almost impossible to, like, not react to it it's almost impossible right because at the same time he's designing amazing shoes he's also in boardroom meetings playing fucking full porn to a you know a fucking boardroom investor guy at a meeting one time on his iphone so clearly those things are kind of go hand in hand and yay but you have to accept it and you have to go with it if you sign someone like him in my personal opinion but hey what do i know let's continue read the article adas plans to sell the remaining stock of yeezy sneakers from his different partnership from his defunct partnership with kanye West for at least a retail price for, for at least for at least the price it cost them to make it sorry the firm cut ties with a rapper and fashion designer who's also known as yay in 2022 after he made a series of anti-semitic comments on social media but demand for yeezy sneakers has not faded that's the major part of it business is business The demand for Yeezy sneakers has not faded as they remain hugely popular in the resale market. And for something to be popular in a resale market, how is it popular? It has to be popular again in the retail market. So clearly, people still love Ye. They still love the products he puts out. They don't care he's anti-Semitic. They they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. They really don't give a fuck. They love the shoes. They can separate the art from the artist like most grown-ups can do. Most grown-ups can separate their art from the artist, especially if you create a high level. I've always said, I think, like, in order to be uncancellable, you just have to be really good at what you do. I think the people who do get cancelled are pretty shit at what they do, and maybe people just would use that as an excuse just to get, get rid of them anyway. They don't want to see them anymore. But if you're really good at what you do, you're almost uncancellable because your fans will just keep riding for you, and Ye's fans always ride for him, clearly. It comes after the currency and fluctuations on costs. The firm one billion euros one billion dollars and 50 million that's why they're not selling that that's why they're not gonna put that stock in a volcano it cost them one billion <laughs> euros jesus the german sportswear giant finances were impacted last year by the discontinuation of yeezy business as it cut the price of the wholesalers to shrink the stockpiles of goods despite facing significant um, headwinds um, adidas posted an operating profit of 216 million euros in 2023 and said expects to almost double the figure this year you know what's really funny i remember reading a statistic somewhere i forgot where i read it i think they said that yeezy when it was with adidas i think it accounted for like 30 percent or something of their sales even though like that that is also again think about also this is also encompassing all of adidas originals um sportswear everything yeezy was accounting for 30 percent of the overall adidas sales you know how much that is that they're selling bro that means they're selling literally everything is selling even though they've been producing a smaller amount, they're selling more of it. <laughs> like, it's fucking insane. And obviously he only started it recently, right? What well, in the last ten years or something. Crazy. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they re-signed him, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if they re signed him because I do remember that new CEO was kind of talking very glowingly about Kanye. So I wouldn't be surprised if they re signed him anyway it continues the improvement is due to a better operating business of around 100 million euros and decision not to write off the 268 million euros of yeezy inventory so they're currently sitting on 268 million euros of yeezy inventory fuck no wonder they don't want to sell it i don't want to burn it i don't i don't blame them the chief executive office executive sorry ceo and um, bjorn golden said 268 million mr goulden was brought in from rival sportswear firm puma at the start of 2023 to drive the turnaround of the as after the breakup with the yeezy brand left it with unsold sneakers worth around 1.2 billion so they're sitting on that much stock but it's actually worth that much (laughs) god damn they're sitting on 268 million but it's actually worth in the resale market 1.2 billion god damn it even though the company sold some Yeezy stock last year, net sales from the partnership were around 450 million euros lower than 222. No, sorry, l- lower in 2022. Um, Ada said it now plans to sell its remaining Yeezy stock for at least the cost of production um, as it tries to recoup the losses of the once looked to partnership. However, the company last outlook um, still included a potential write-off of its remaining Yeezy items which cost the firm 300 million euros Adidas also said it was hit by a devaluation of the Argentine peso at the end of 2023, big up DSP Argentina's new president Javier, deva- Javier Meli yeah? um, devalued the country's currency by more than 50% in December as part of the economic shock therapy and the country needed. The firm also warned that its profits will continue to be hit by devaluation this year. Adidas has been a maker of the shirts of Argentina National team for more than four decades Um, last week the rival firm Puma also said Argentina's currency advantage hit its financials as a region was its biggest and fastest growing market so Yeezy is back on road we're going to be able to see more of the shoes on market. I'm all for it. Yeezy's my goat. I never really swayed or changed on him because, you know, again, I'm, I'm a grown up. I can't always separate the art from the artist. I proudly and very um, profusely wear all my Yeezy products because it is just is what it is. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see more stuff from him. I really cannot wait to see more stuff from him. And I do not care what anyone has to say about that moving on from that one let's talk about chloe sevanghi chloe sevanghi let's talk about her so chloe sevanghi um did a really amazing cover story for rolling stone where she's gone a bit viral because she's declared her hate for dogs which is a little bit you know it's a bit of a lukewarm hot take because i think most people um who are in the business of hot takes myself included have always questioned um you know Especially nowadays, people's over dependencies on pets and shit, right? People kind of replacing actual friends, um, actual human connections with furry feline um dogs and cats and shit, right? It's just a bit weird, a bit annoying, especially in the UK and London. It's gone a bit crazy. Every man and their fucking dog has a fucking dog and it is a bit too much. But but i probably think it's probably tenfold in the place like new york right because i feel like as much as people complain about people that have dogs and shit the main reason why people are now so attached to their dogs and cats is because people are just horrible isn't it people are just exhausting to deal with on a day-to-day basis so i can really understand why some people are replacing actual human connection with pets especially if you think about it, a lot of my friends that I know got their pets during the pandemic. So they weren't able to actually go outdoors. You couldn't actually maybe see your friends. So the only way to kind of feel some level of connection, to feel some sort of love, right, was obviously to get yourself a dog. And that's why people went and got dogs. And obviously there was a bit of an issue when people were allowed to go back outside again. And then people started, you know, basically abandoning those same dogs and whatever it may be. But the whole thing around it was that, people are just insufferable and exhausting to deal with. So I'm just going to replace that with a furry animal. And I kind of get it. But I also understand where she's coming from because just imagine what the issue will be like in New York and how packed, how packed that whole situation will be walking down Philippine, the streets, you know, those streets in New York and stuff and having tons of people running at you with their fucking dogs. So let's see what she had to say about the dog sting via this um, article, Courtesy courtesy of the rolling stones so the question was this how do you feel about the state of new york city it's increasing it's increasingly a city for the rich she says yes <laughs> the athleisure and dogs are taking over and it's really unfortunate imagine asking new- chloe sevanghi about the rich when she's actually rich <laughs> right it's actually isn't she one of the pro- isn't she one of the people that you're speaking about anyway let's continue the athleisure and the dogs are taking over and it's really unfortunate everybody's in lululemon and has a fucking dog, and it's driving me crazy, be up close of I'm sorry dog lovers, there are too many of you, I'm not going, to, I'm not going out to clubs in Ridgewood, so I'm, so I'm sure it's there somewhere, but I'm not experiencing it, I hope there are places for people to go, where they want, I miss the mega clubs and the accessibility. I would like to know that they were there in Manhattan and not in Ridgewood, which is very far. At the same time, the city seems closer as far, as closer as far as you're going out of the other bars in the Uber. We do car services and it's harder to access areas because of subways, buses and not going to certain areas. And I really do agree with her. I really do agree that there's way too many people out there with dogs and we're in athleisure. The athleisure thing is interesting because there's this trend now i'm sure most of you have seen it where young girls wear like tights and then they wear like um white socks over them tights um usually nike socks and maybe a pair of blazers or some like new balance shoe or like a nike shoe right and they'll have like a little north face on like a little like a little puffer jacket i always assumed those girls are coming from the gym i didn't know that that's not gym wear by the way do you know that they're just wearing that to walk around Do you know that's the thing? People are now wearing workout clothes and not going to work out. So people are literally so lazy; they can't bother to work out. They can't bother to wear like actual clothes. So they're actually wearing athleisure stuff, like you know, Lululemon, um, Under Armour, Gymshark, Nike, whatever. But they're not actually going to the gym. Do you guys know that's the thing? People are going around the street with their adidas sorry with their apple airpod maxes carrying a little stanley like i've got here right little bitch stanley wearing their athleisure and their white socks and their fucking running shoes and they're not running that is insane so imagine that person who's not actually going to work out wearing workout clothes to go because again maybe i'm maybe i'm a bitch but i think wearing workout clothes to work to walk your dog is redacted (laughs) Just walk your dog. You don't need to like turn it into a workout. Like, not like the the people that have to like merge things to get it done, I think are the most annoying people in the world. The people that turn, like, I don't know, you know someone at work, like that uses, oh, I'm gonna take the stairs as like a workout. You know that person at work, like, I'm gonna take the stairs. Go take the stairs, I'm taking the fucking lift. They put this lift here, they don't pay me enough to fucking walk the stairs anyway. If the lift is working, I'm gonna use the fucking lift. But that person's oh, I'm gonna use the stairs. I'm gonna walk the long way around. It's like, yeah, go work, go go for a run. You don't need to turn your fucking commute into a fucking workout. It's fucking redacted. So, what you know, wearing wearing fucking high vis outfit and running shoes to go walk your dog is super weird. Just put on your shorts and go walk your dog normally that like everyone else does, right? It's not that deep. You should be you should be really be you should really walk your dog in slippers. But hey, what do I know? So I can't imagine what it's like to have those same people who aren't working out wearing athleisure also walking their dogs it, it's probably infuriating they're taking up space in cafes right the dogs sleeping on the floor and you have to kind of jump over it. You, it i always hate that kind of like false politeness you have to have with other people and their pets you have to like especially the people that kind of look at you and they want you to be impressed by their dog you know they kind of want to want you to impress like look look at my. i don't give a fuck about your little sausage dog bro kick it down the road bro i mean that's your baby not mine and it's on one of them and sprayed along the floor in some coffee shop, and you have to kind of try and step over it. Like, honestly, people that have dogs are just as annoying as new mothers. Mothers with prams, the, the mothers with prams who, like, you know, b- career around the corner of fucking shopping aisles and f- try and force you out of the way and try and shame you for standing in an aisle when you're trying to fucking get some frozen french fries out from the fucking fridge and they're looking at you like oh but i have a child it's like who gives a fuck about your child man man don't care about your little cynthia man like leave cynthia home or put it in i don't know whatever where's the dad oh okay exactly like fuck off man like you're making me having to fucking dance around your fucking buggy and shit honestly i hate them like i hate dog owners just as much as i hate new mums with their babies it's so annoying they take up all the space and make it look like you know you're like inconveniencing them i love getting into little silent wars with fucking new mums where they're like they're, they're kind of like they come around the corner and they think you're going to move out of the way because they're a mum with a buggy and they're like i'm not moving i was standing here you go around me and it's like yeah all right cool and she's like, oh, I can't believe it. It's like, yeah, I I, I can't believe you had a kid. You know what I mean? I, I see the shape of your face. I can't believe somebody fucking impregnated you. But again, I can't say that because if I say that, I'll get arrested. So whatever, you know? We all have to kind of suck it up, innit? So anyway, let's go to The Guardian. The Guardian have a really interesting article regarding this, where they say, um, where some dog owners have replied, right? Have a replied back and kind of clap back at fucking clubbies. Statement, and let's see what they have to say. If New York is dead, then what killed it? Julian Casablanca's blamed brunch. Sean Hannity left the city for Florida after complaining about the income tax, and just before plunging her to her death in a high-rise window, um, um, Sex and the City's fi- um, sorry, fictional party girl, Lexi Featherston. Yo, who watches Sex and the City? Because what kind of character name is that? Lexi Featherston. That's how I know the show is made for white people, isn't it? Only only a white person would watch a show called Sex and the City and it has a, a character called Lexi Featherston. What the fuck is that? That's the most like trust funding name I've ever seen in my life. Lexi Featherston. Okay. Ranted about how everything started to go wrong in New York City after they banned smoking in bars. This week Chloe Savengi, long time cool girl, long time it girl, not cool girl, it girl. Chloe Sevenghi is one of the biggest legends in the world added another theory to a list while promoting a new ryan murphy series Um, feud capote and the Swan seveny told the rolling stone that all dogs are the dogs are at fault she said athleisure and the dogs are taking over and that's really unfortunate Everybody's in a new lemon has a fucking dog and it's driving me crazy i'm sorry dog lovers there are too many of you and i definitely do agree especially people that carry the dogs the ones who carry the dogs like babies they need they're the ones that deserve to be lined up against a wall. The people who carry their dogs like babies, you deserve to be lined up against the wall. And you should hold your dogs in your hand as you're lined up against the wall. You both have little fucking blindfolds on and then, you know, stuff happens. But, you know, again, I can't say that because I go to prison. Let's read the article. What do New York dog owners have to say about this? In Brooklyn, Maria Hernandez park on... in, In Brooklyn's Maria Hernandez park on Thursday where a popular dog run was just received approval for 300... They made a what? Hold on! A popular dog run just to received approval for a three hundred dollar renovation. They're doing dog runs, but they're not. But they're putting fucking skater stoppers on benches. They're not having benches some places to prevent homeless people from fucking sleeping on them, but they're fucking approving a budget of 300000 $300, dollars to renovate a dog run so dogs are more important than humans yeah cool 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 let's continue and where lulu lemon now really we couldn't tell we couldn't tell we couldn't tell and where lulu lemon now so it's perfect question for me said abby um she's an illustrator of course you're an illustrator of course an illustrator of course of course what do you draw what do you draw tell us what you draw man tell us what you draw of course, um, there is a definitely a lack of respect for dog owners. <laughs> Imagine wanting respect because you have a dog. <laughs> what you want respect for your pronouns? You want respect for who you fuck? You want respect for your political? Like, honestly, c- can't you just get respect for being a a person of strong character, a, st- a person for your you know for your beliefs, or the things you do for charity and shit, the things you do for others? Like identity, identity, identity. So people are actually getting dogs just to, for respect imagine you think i respect you for your dog get fucked i probably respect your dog more than i respect you that's a that's the funny thing i probably respect a dog more than i respect the actual owner of the dog like (laughs) but anyway let's continue um there is definitely a lack of respect for dog owners who keep their dogs off leashes or who don't properly train them all dog owners are the same don't try and create this fucking hierarchy of dog owners whether you're a fucking whether you're some gypsy down the street or some thug that has his dog on a fucking, you know, an actual chain that you got from fucking a store somewhere, like an actual chain that you're meant to cover a fucking or bolt a door together with, or whether you're some gypsy that walks down the street with their top off and has a dog in front of them, right? Like flexing all dog owners are the same. Don't try and act like because you gave your dog a little barber jacket that you're better than the fucking guy that doesn't have a leash no, you're all the same. All dog owners are the same let's relax let's relax there is no hierarchy of dog owners does matter because your dog's got little fucking bbls it shakes down the street That it's better than other dogs no all dogs are the same i find a very unusual i find it i find this sorry i find that this usually happens in more wealthier neighborhoods 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 but then people who get penalized for their animals are typically not those white lululemon girls Why aren't you? Okay, whatever. Uh <laughs> nearby, a woman named Stephanie played fetch with her pit bull Bebe. Bebby. Bebby. Um, who was off the leash on a soccer turf where dogs are not allowed to play. Dog owners are a specific category of annoying person, she said. I'm annoying to some degree though it's my responsibility to handle my dog okay i like that self-awareness big up stephanie i like you i like that self-awareness i'm annoying to some degree though it's my responsibility to handle my dog i take that seriously but have you seen how many people let their dogs act up on upper east street cool here's another guy with his dog right um, Jeremy on a walk with his pup Sigma agreed that dogs generally behave well in neighbourhoods like Bushwick historically working class Puerto Rican neighbourhoods that's rapidly gentrifying with the influx of young creators priced out downtown Hatton, Williamsburg he said that he could imagine wealthier spots such as Svengi's former in the east village being bastions of entitled owners so they're trying to say dog owners dogs are actually more well behaved in poorer neighbourhoods is that actually true I don't. I don't know that's i don't think that's i don't think that's true i live in a pretty shitty place and the dogs here are they're not the most uh (laughs) the dogs here kind of do what they want i don't know about that i don't know that's true i don't know this like working class fucking you know i don't don't know if this is true i live in a fucked up area and people get ran down the street by dogs (laughs) on a daily basis i don't think this is true anyway let's continue if i lived in chloe's life where she was walking around with other wealthy people basically being upper class karens having a fit when their dogs aren't allowed to at yoga then i might understand her world is very small um if dogs are what she complains about the most i don't like to slack people off but everyone in brooklyn has a dog and that's not new fact check this writer lives in brooklyn Honestly, who's this saying this? This sounds spicy, isn't it? Chloe Svang is complaining that people have dogs. She's not saying that she has a dog and she's annoyed that someone won't let her have her dog at her Peloton class. She's saying she hates dogs. She's being quite upfront about it. Okay, somebody's here lip syncing their dog in the park. That's completely normal. Big up this guy lip his dog. Um, out of all the reasons to ring the death knell for one green's great city, dogs might um, seem low on the list. New Yorkers face record high rents and even so in cost of living, Mayor Eric Adams slashed the price. That's what I'm thinking. If, you, if you're paying so much money for rent in New York, why would you want another mouth to feed? Unless you're feeding your dog like human food. Why would you want to like run up pet vets, vets you know, vet, veterinary costs and shit? If you guys are having, you know, people are paying like two grand a month more for fucking bedroom in new york why did why would you get a dog why why don't you just keep the money for yourself across the east river so um, let's continue here new yorkers face record high rents and even soaring cost of living may eric adams slash the the city's budgets um, affecting schools libraries and sanitation and more um, walk through just about any public park in manhattan and you're bound to run into a 20 something with a mini microphone asking if you'll answer a few questions for a tiktok video surely all those examples are far worse than the Canon companions nah no no nah. No, no, no. i think dog owners are worse than people that ask questions about you know on tiktok i'm sorry those kids who are making content on tiktok they are they are the least of our problems. Because that's a trend that will go away at one time. Dogoners are never going to go away. Dogoners are worse plague on society than TikTokers ever are. I don't care. I'll stand on that shit. Across the East River in downtown Manhattan, Washington Square... Um, park the the setting for Savengi's breakout role coming of age street drama kids isabel mino um, spent her morning in a dog park with nirvana a pitbull mix with striking blue eyes and a peaceful demeanor worthy of her name um, mino took a oh, peaceful demeanor yeah how did that band end then come on peaceful mino took um issue with Savengi's assumption that all new york dog owners were rich and could afford lululemon where yoga pants can cost more <laughs> of course you're gonna fucking start nitpicking what she said as opposed to what she oh, the general okay whatever let's continue she's talking about the one percent but that's not me and it's not a lot of people so if you're not on one percenter why do you own a dog in new york please tell me if you're not one percenter and you don't have much money why do you have a dog surely you should use that money to like i don't know get fucked up i don't know hire some hookers i don't know owning a dog doesn't have to do with money It has to do with love. What? You can look after dog with love. Okay. New York can be a very lonely city and looking for humans to love is not always easy. Life isn't easy, bitch. Get outside and make some friends. It's hard to find friends. Like, come on, man. I have friends now, but it took me a couple of years to get that point and dogs help. (laughs) You're finding friends with dogs, but you're using you're using dogs to catch friends. Like, uh, like so, dogs are like a form of dog. Dogs are like a Pokemon ball, right? That's how you're catching friends. You're praying at the bait, having a dog, and then hoping some weirdo touches your dog uninvited, and then that becomes your friend. Cool, great way to start a friendship. No. No, Noel W. Anderson was in the park walking Theophilus Monk. Of course, this guy named his dog Theophilus Monk. Of course, he did. Of course. Ugh. I wish I could be that corny, man. I really do wish I could be that corny. Um, his Foxtown Mix. New York University art professor called his four year old pup a studio dog. <laughs> this is one of those annoying professors that would walk down the fucking corridor to the fucking lectures with his little dog next to him like oh to be fair that dog is kind of cute I take it back that girl's dog Isabella Mino that dog is fucking cute that Nirvana that, that's a fucking cute dog right it's let's not a let's not lie I take that kind of back that's a cute dog fuck the owner the dog's kind of cute i'm not gonna lie that dog's really cute um when my students are having a hard time they lay there they lay they lay on the floor and pet him your students are fucking dumb um dogs are a hell of a benefit um emotionally and new york can will put you through the fucking ringer maybe chloe needs to reformulate her understanding of what life needs to be why does new york have to be gritty that's just this bullshit illusion of this bro new york was formed on have you honestly why is new york, what do you want you want new york to be fucking dubai it's never gonna be that bro new york is always meant to be gritty that's a history in new is grit um that's his bullshit illusion of the city that you have to struggle to make it but dogs are healers um jenny dween had brought up her pup winston to the park on the day of hoping she'd run into a doggist and instagram <laughs> there's an instagram called doggist instagram account run by pet photographer elias elias weiss friedman what's this doggist account what is this the doggist yo imagine going out wanting to be papped with your dog like are you redacted how in how embarrassing of an adult you have to be to willingly go out in your coolest clothes to get papped by this fucking instagram account like you're a fucking loser I can't believe some people, honestly. I really can't believe some adults. But whatever, let's continue. Um, Winston wore a grey and red striped sweatshirt for the occasion. Winston. Dwayne felt disappointed by the swingiest dance. Of course she did um first of all who cares what you wear she's always wearing low high, low high stuff she's all people should let us have our lululemon second if people chose to put their dog in a sweat and a bow tie then so be it oh god almighty man all right whatever you say lady great for you happy for you but i stand in solidarity with Chloe Sevenghi Nothing she says could ever be wrong because she is the original it girl and cool girl. Everything she says is fucking facts. Big up Chloe Savengi. The absolute B-I-T-C-H out there. I love her. I've always loved her. And I always will remain loyal to Chloe Savengi. Cannot complain. Cannot complain. So um let's quickly jump on this. You seen this? Um, We deserve better. Ex-Pitchfork employee share details of recent layoffs. So obviously most of you guys know um, GQ absorbed Pitchfork into their organization, effectively laying off a bunch of people. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Pitchfork is basically going to be a tab on the fucking GQ website. It's not going to be its own standalone site anymore. It's just going to be a tab. And if you know anything about GQ, pitchfork and its importance to kind of music critique and album reviews and stuff it's quite disappointing to have such a great platform like that just be completely absorbed by gq but on the flip side it's also maybe a reflection on where media is at the moment or where the attention span is most people probably don't even check out pitchfork unless you're like a nerd a music nerd like i am most people just probably you know, get their music um, news content from various blogs on social media platforms like TikTok or Instagram and shit, or they just find out new music by a playlist on Spotify. So maybe the function of um, Pitchfork doesn't really exist or doesn't, it's not necessarily needed as much as it was in the past. But I still think, as you see some other video I'm going to play about, you know, Fluck having an argument, Greedo, I think there is a, still a need for music criticism. I just don't know who the right people are for it because it seems like the blog platforms, the one that just put out the sensational, you know, um, messy news out there, they're not really best place to go for that kind of critique that Pitchfork was doing. But I also don't think Pitchfork was the best place to go to discover new music or to find out what's actually going on in the culture. It was also a bit kind of stuck in its own little vortex. So let's actually read the article here regarding the employees and how they were upset that they got let go. Um, it says, former staff said that they were banned from freelancing for music sites. Jesus. Um, we, after 12 Pitchfork employees were laid off um, as part of the Condé that decision to fold the mutual publication to GQ, former staff are speaking out about the experience. Hattie Linda um, was hired as a part time associate writer at Pitchfork in t- June 2023. She had, she said the merger was announced in a 20 minute Zoom conference with Anna Wintour. Yo, Anna Wintour is a fucking cold savage, isn't it? 20 minute Zoom call. <laughs> she didn't want to be there too long at all like yo you guys are out your patriots are going to be coming in in the month please you know send in your passport your passwords send back your laptops it's been great bye-bye like she did not hang around 20 minute zoom call um global chief content um Global Chief Content Officer at Nast and Winter, which owns Pitchfork, GQ and other media um, outlets. Within thirty minutes employees were scheduled to separate meetings to find out whether or not their position had been affected. Linda was one of the twelve employees that were laid off. So it was only twelve in yen. The they made all that stinking you know, and making it seem like it was like there's only twelve people that actually got let go. Only twelve. They were crying for twelve people. God almighty. People were definitely surprised, she told Resident Advisor. My supervisors, no pun intended, at least my direct ones didn't know about before it was scheduled. Back in December, Condé Nast reportedly told the News Guild of New York, a union of media workers, that there would be no layoffs for Pitchfork. Um, Evan Minsker, Pitchfork's former associate, news director, backed this up by RA saying staff were told their jobs were safe. That's the thing, though. Your jobs are never safe, especially in that kind of environment. I think if you're, uh, if you're a uh, if you're a writer for that sort of publication, exactly coiler there, exactly coiler, eight K a year. If you're writing those kind of publications, you have to know your job is up, is risk is has a potential to be cut because you just make too much for what you do. Let's be fair. Like no one at Pitchfork should be making eighty K to write about fucking the black keys, right? Or the strokes or something. Come on. Like, what do you really do to to justify that kind of a salary? Especially in this media's landscape at the moment. There's probably a kid somewhere on Twitter that's putting out great news about indie bands and, you know, that whole scene, you know, just for free. That's doing it for the love of it. And you're making 80K, you know, writing, scathing, you know, or writing and you know, in-depth analysis of a new fucking Benny Butcher sort of fucking, you know, come on, come on. Um, that's why the recent terminations are on extra shock, said Minsker. Um "They had been a company uh, four times since 2012 before being laid off last month. Um, he was again. That's a good run. I'm sorry working for a platform like Pitchfork since 2012. Come on, bro. Come on. If anything, if I was at Pitchfork, honestly, I say this, I say this with like all seriousness. If I was at Pitchfork, and then I was, and then I saw the the advent of like Substack because a lot of the music writers that I like who used to write on different platforms have now decided to kind of most of the big ones are on Substack and they've got their own newsletters and I subscribe to a bunch of them some of them are really good free some of them you have to pay whatever but Substack has become such a great platform for writers to actually make a good living because if you actually have you know you've got a great contact list um, you have interesting opinions good hot takes and shit People like myself will be willing to chuck you $5 or $10 a month to get the news that you're going to send me every week, Um, especially because I know it's going to be curated. It's going to be specific to my kind of interest. You're going to interview people that I'm interested in. If that was me and I was working at Pitchfork, I would have already had a, a sub stack on the side as I'm working full time so that if I do get cut, boom. I jump on the Substack, you know what I mean. That's the thing that I think these guys missed out on. They just assume they're going to have this full time job forever, which is absolutely insane because nobody really needs a platform like Sub, like Pitchfork, except for people like myself and everyone else involved in the music industry. Um, the wider, pe- the wider community of people out there, right? The mainstream public, the normies, they don't give a fuck about a Pitchfork. You know what I mean? That's a main issue. Um, it continues, even though I, I think they're important i do really do think that criticism especially the reviews the decimal point reviews i think they're super important but let's be honest that most people don't really give a fuck it's mostly an industry artist thing but i think general public don't i'm not swayed by what pitchfork rates as best new music they don't give a fuck um, anyway let's continue that's when re- that's why recent terminations were extra shocks at minska He'd been accomplished since 2012 before being late of last month he was working the night before without knowledge of the news and would come the following day You'd probably working the night before super late put his feet up on the desk another coffee texting somebody on grinder or something right and then boom but even though I don't have proof, they knew that it was coming or when it was coming, they certainly knew it was coming. The past two years, Minx's Minster, tenure, he said he noticed the site becoming more understaffed. I went from working every shift with at least one person to multiple shifts by myself. um, doing the coaches There we go. See, I'm sorry, but if you start, if you go from working in an office full of people and then you're the only one there, maybe, maybe go get another job. Maybe start doing something on the side doing the Coachella lineup announcements by myself as an example was not sustained (laughs) doing the honestly these guys are so allergic to working hard doing the Coachella lineup announcements by myself what are you doing? copy and pasting what Coachella put on their own website sharing a flyer on the social media channels and writing a caption is not sustainable fucking hell man the hubris on these people god almighty anyway there were three breaking news stories in a row that fell on my plate and i was by myself <laughs> there's a kid now on instagram with probably 100k followers who does everything by himself the fucking artwork the text on the artwork the captions the hashtags he uploads them schedules the upload posts. there's probably a kid on Instagram, who has an Instagram platform, maybe even like 100,000, who has probably 10k people, 10k followers on his Instagram. Very small. He talks about whatever he talks about football, rap culture, streamers, and he just does it himself. And these guys are complaining about having to retweet, repost a fucking Coachella lineup announcement coachella prepare all that shit for you they have all the assets they have the flyers they have the captions you can just reword they have all the names of the people performing all the pictures like what do you need to do like what how hard is that to do you're not creating anything the people who do who sorry the people who do have jobs are working on a ghost ship said one anonymous source all their friends are gone no one is in charge it's just a bad scene But they're still there though, right? Collecting a check. On February 1st, Minster also revealed that former Pitchfork staff are no longer allowed to freelance for the site. Why would you want to freelance for a site that fired you anyway? I heard this from uh, at least four people who were told pretty directly from someone at Pitchfork. As an active union member, he said he feels protective of his colleagues. It feels unnecessarily vindictive, and we all deserve better. Why would you still want to write for this site when they fire you? Honestly, people that want to still work for the company that fired them are very odd. The GQ merger and subsequent layoffs are latest worrying sign of the health of the music and media. Um last year, Bandcamp employees were also let go when the company was sold Songstra. Um Song Trader, sorry, for more insight on how business deals impact the journalism read our recent op ed. And obviously, um RA reached out for comments or comment. We'll report when we hear more. So um in all I think it's sad that everyone lost their jobs because I've had this situation happen to me numerous times, especially during the pandemic and post pandemic. But let's also be fair, like outside of music nerds like myself, outside of people involved in the industry, whether it's people behind the scenes, whether it's artists themselves, the wider public had no use for a pitchfork really and truly maybe they should have involved their model maybe they should have you know they, they, they tried to incorporate a lot of pop coverage and shit that didn't really pay off in the end who knows what went wrong maybe it's just in general people just weren't visiting the site enough and people like myself that cry about pitchfork folding probably should have been watching and checking out the site more and maybe these guys wouldn't have been fired fair that's that needs to be said but I also still think there is a need for a platform like a pitchfork to exist and it's just disappointing that in this world we live in you can't really do anything for the love. That's the only thing that I think is disappointing. Nothing can just be done for the love because I feel like a pitchfork should exist just for the love, just for the sake of it, just to kind of provide a platform for artists, um, you know, to kind of to kind of shine a different light on a different subset of artists, to maybe be a bit nerdy, to be a little bit, you know, geeky on sort of stuff, to kind of go into the weeds, inside baseball talk. There needs to be a platform just for the sake of it to exist. And it can't, of course. But the funny thing is there's plenty of people involved in the music industry who probably could come together with their funds and probably prop up pitchfork without having it get absorbed by GQ and actually have it just function as just like a platform where people can kind of you know geek out about music they don't do it so they complain but they don't actually put their money where their mouth is but then the other side of the thing makes me think that we do need something to replace it though that's what needs to be done i do think, i do do think there needs to be a replacement because this clip here courtesy of the community youtube channel which features euro3greedo calling in to spaz out on Flacco, i think was a example as to why we need basic we need more muted critiques who are separate from bloggers and kind of cultural commentator type people like myself. I think you need somebody that has an a t- expertise, a taste in music, an opinion on music, an outlook on music, a love for music, an appreciation for music making, song creation, who can actually be a credible voice and provide a credible platform. Maybe in the same way as like that um, music nerd guy, right? Um, I don't really check him out, but that kind of thing. There needs to be one of those type of people that exist in hip hop or in music in general, to kind of replace the whole pitchfork thing because I feel that this argument between Zero Free Greedo and um Flacco was a great example of people conflating what somebody like a Flacco does because I feel Flacco is, he's more like in the, in the realm of like an academics where he's more like a you know a commentator of hip-hop but he's not actually somebody that i would ever trust their music opinions you know same with academics like academics you go for you go to kind of check out the latest news what's going on in hip-hop but you don't actually go there for his musical opinions i don't think so i know i wouldn't anyway but let me play a little bit of the clip here so you can see what happened because i feel like the argument between Flacco and zero free greedo was hilarious because i think zero free greedo doesn't understand music criticism and basically threatened to fucking punch him in the face you know what i mean
1: Abuse. I don't want to just super do that. Yeah. But I do want you to understand something, right? Okay? Before we talk about music, okay. You know where I'm from? Yeah, what? Nah. Right.
0: You know where I'm from? What? No, like what? Like like,
1: like the gang stuff? Or, or uh, like where uh, you from? So yeah, the gang stuff, the gang stuff. Oh, uh, again, I heard from people that you're from Great, but I don't want to like assume. <laughs> okay. No, nah, me either. I don't want to assume it either because I'm on world. But listen here, bro. Yeah. You can't you can't just talk to everybody like you talk to everybody. I want you to, I don't want to say it like I'm bullying you, bro, because yeah. I really want to call him. bullies. Ah something. Could I? I want you to understand something. Me personally, I shake it up. You hear me? Yeah. Like without my hood. And then I'm a, a big head hotel from the hood, you hear me? Yeah. Like my name is a street so for one you can't even talk crazy but since you're talking about music let's focus on the music yeah all these cali you're talking about been my babies you hear me yeah then my nieces and nephews because i love snow but he wasn't here for us like i am for these yeah so do want no baby even the, that's on the other side you feel me i speak to them we might not be able to do a song but i still speak to them so Osama, that's bro you know what i'm saying like you know what's going on in the streets there do you know what we are talking about mm-hmm. yeah. but what i'm telling you is I'm telling you is, bro, you're discouraging my city when you say that, and I know you don't mean to, and I wanted to tell you a different way to ask AD to show you my Texas. I wanted to tell you a different way, yeah. but listen, bro, they're my babies, bro, and what you don't know, what you looking, you out the outside looking in, bro, I'm the only nigga, I ain't been out a year yet, but I'm yeah. the only nigga from Cali that got these fashion deals. Of I'm the only nigga from Cali that went double platinum, multi-platinum in prison. me? Yeah. Of course, same off. <laughs> so didn't do what I did. I went platinum, and city. Uh, yeah. that man—that was so born, That man was born in Harlem, and raised in Baltimore, in New Jersey, or some shit. You know, yeah. I'm from great. You know, what I mean, I was raised in California, yeah. and I'm just saying this with respect because I like how you was talking. But listen, bro, I know you don't get it, and No Jumper is my family. But when I the music thing. I had a famous freestyle to the Magnolia beat from Playboy Cardi. And yeah, Playboy Cardi was managed by the state. Yeah. Playboy Cardi from Atlanta. A$AP is from New York. It's them niggas that was just putting in these bad positions because of what happened with Snoop. And these niggas that wasn't from Cali. These niggas from Philadelphia and New Mexico. Yeah. Whatever was going on, it made a bad situation for us. And it's super not fair for you to say that when there's a 310 baby out. Fuck anyone else my little bro 310 oh, baby is the biggest thing besides Rodney rich those are the two biggest artists we ever have Fuck with grito dude i'm for the streets i'm the only nigga really selling kilos and slapping niggas in their mouth so I go, i'll slap you <laughs> but since you came with respect i'm gonna come with respect but i'll slap you if i was right there i'm in detroit because you can't talk to me like you talk to everybody else do you didn't realize when that nigga adam posted this, this shit no nigga from cali mentioned nothing about it because for one i ain't no shit but for two more importantly Nobody want to fuck with my hood. Nobody want to play with us. And you don't know that because you're not from Canada. So you didn't, you
0: didn't grow up. Anyway, you get the point of what he's trying to say, right? The point of what he's trying to say is that he's trying to threaten Flacco for his opinion on his music or for his opinion on West Coast music. And I feel like the reason why he's threatening him is because he honestly does feel like this guy holds some sort of weight in music criticism or culture, which he doesn't. I feel like people are conflating the fact that Flucco has a pretty big platform with his own poetic Flucco channel and shit. He obviously does well at No Jumper. They're conflating that and he's associated with academics, with him actually being a voice for music. So I feel like on the back of the Pitchfork stuff, there needs to be a platform that rises up, that kind of fills that void. But I don't know if people actually want it, you know? Maybe there's, maybe academics doesn't talk about it because I've always under, I've always kind of wondered, why doesn't academics talk about music? Why is he always talking about the gossip and the drama and Crashaw and this, Blueface that, Soldier boy this. It's never about the music. It's never about like critiquing singles or you know saying why this single is not good or why you don't like it or critiquing albums like it's always the messy stuff. and I think the reason why is because people don't actually care about music criticism i don't think they actually do you know maybe that's why he doesn't do it because he's seen the numbers it's like you know what people want me to talk about people want me to spaz out on little baby but they don't want me to actually critique his music and actually give an opinion that's why i think 2024 little baby isn't as good as 2023 little baby you know people don't, actually don't want to hear that maybe that's the whole point of it so maybe there's the reason why pitchfork has folded into gq is because people actually don't give a fuck about music reviews, about, you know, someone like mine's a, someone like mine or an, a journalist flipping opinion on the best new music and stuff. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. But anyway, that was my point in that regard. I'll leave it there and I'd love to hear your comments if you have any. So that has been the Agatino Zinga Show, episode number, I think, 743. I think that's what I said. Thank you for tuning in to the Agostino Zynga show episode number 743. My tune of the day today is going to be Tyler's On and On. So if you are listening to this, wherever you may be, please make sure you play Tyler's On and On. Most of you know who Tyler is. She did the song called Water. That's actually been doing mad business out there. So I'm going to be playing that as in the background. If you listen to the audio podcast, you hear it under my voice. If not, it'll obviously to black and you won't see nothing well thank you for tuning in it's been a pleasure and never a chore for those of you tuning in live i'll see you on a random show in a couple of minutes peace out my friends peace out.
2: i'm not going home tell my mama don't